0: Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So I have received a ton of great feedback on our Startup Spotlight segments, so much so that we've decided to launch a new podcast to expand on the concept. I will have some insider details coming out very soon over the coming weeks, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts so that you don't miss it. But now on to today's episode, we are heading on over to Motor City with our first ever episode on Detroit and the emergence of its startup ecosystem. Our guest, Kelly Lapierre, who is the co-founder and partner at Venture Catalysts, which is a nonprofit with the mission of building an inclusive entrepreneurial ecosystem in Detroit. Kelly has been an ecosystem builder in both Detroit and Ann Arbor, having also founded and ran the Desai Accelerator in partnership with the University of Michigan, But we dive into all of that during the episode. So now I will pass things off to Kelly Lapierre, the co founder and partner at Venture Catalysts. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide, from Sub Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So I am joined today by Kelly LaPierre, who is the co-founder and partner at Venture Catalysts. Venture Catalysts is a nonprofit with the mission of building an inclusive entrepreneurial ecosystem in Detroit through strategic, large-scale entrepreneurship events and targeted growth programs. Kelly, we're going to dive into everything Venture Catalysts, but I want to start this off back in uh, 2013 when you moved back to Detroit, really right as the city was declaring bankruptcy, uh, can you can you talk about that, that time period and really how uh, the, the startup community has has evolved through those years?
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I was born and raised in Detroit, so it's a place that's near and dear to my heart, but it wasn't until I moved away from the city that I realized how much impact it had on who I was as a person. I would tell people that I was from Detroit and I'd get this like, oh, I'm so sorry sort of look, right? And it was it was invigorating because I was like, no, that's not it, right? Like, I am so proud to be from Detroit. But people thought I was absolutely crazy to be moving back to Detroit in 2013 when things were not going well in the city to start a business nonetheless. My business school classmates as I graduated would ask me like, are you okay? And I think declaring bankruptcy in 2013 really didn't help with that sort of perception that the rest of the world had seen. But I was really motivated. I mean, for me, like I said, it's very personal. I think it's it's rare that you have the chance to see a city physically transform, let alone to be a part of it. And so that was really what motivated me to want to move back to Detroit and be a part of the startup ecosystem, and specifically in building that ecosystem, because it really didn't exist at that time, or or rather, it was not as mature. And to my my peers' credit, it was a little crazy for me to move back to Detroit at that point in time. I mean, the city lacked a lot of the sort of basic human necessities like streetlights or access to emergency response in less than 40 minutes, you know, things like that that are just normal pieces of most people's lives that they don't realize. But to me, it was some of those elements as well as that sort of bankruptcy declaration that really catalyzed people to start new things, right? Because at that point in time in Detroit, I always describe it as anything was possible, right? Like there were people Harvesting bees and honey in their backyard or, you know, making lipstick in their kitchen or easily getting a food truck to launch a restaurant concept. And so it was that sort of possibility that really, I think motivated a lot of people in the startup ecosystem at that time. And at the same time, I, I can't fail to mention that there's a lot of opportunity in struggle. So because people at that point in time really had to Be an entrepreneur out of necessity, I think that also pushed people to think differently when it came to the types of things that they may be building. And so to me, it was like all those things combined that really sort of started the ecosystem. And from there, you started to see some of the core components that you would in other ecosystems, like more investment funds and more programs and more conferences. So you saw. Techstars Mobility tried to capitalize on the auto industry. You saw Tech Week and some of these national conferences. But then you also see saw brands that started to use Detroit as part of their story. And that sort of underdog, like everyone wants to root for the underdog. and Shinola Watches is a great example of a company that started and created this story around bringing back a industry in an American city like Detroit, and being able to manufacture things in the city of Detroit, and made that brand of made in Detroit, something cool that attracted a lot of people for wanting to be a part of that movement, as opposed to just buying a watch, which I think were some of the really cool, unique, elements of our ecosystem that drew a lot of people. Something interesting, as I was involved in the ecosystem throughout particularly those early years, is that a lot of people in the city of Detroit, as they were, you know, trying to make ends meet, and like I mentioned, harvesting honey in their backyard, there really wasn't this culture of entrepreneurship in the city even though you could kind of look back and say that, you know, Detroit was built off of entrepreneurs who built, you know, the Fords and the auto industry and things like that. Early in that time, Detroiters didn't necessarily identify themselves as entrepreneurs. And so I always like to tell the story of how I'd be meeting people who started a coffee shop on the corner. And as I was trying to, you know, build programs and understand needs would be talking to them about entrepreneurship. And they're like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. And I'm like, hmm, did you start this coffee shop from an idea and raise funds and build it to what it is? And they're like, oh, yeah. And so one of the biggest sort of, I think, hurdles that we had in Detroit was to educate people on what this word means, because it was happening and it was happening at this rapid pace and in a way in which... Many other cities probably didn't see entrepreneurship, but that we had to start embracing this word as like a positive thing, and that it isn't just the sort of entrepreneurs we think of, particularly even in the tech industry, that there are entrepreneurs everywhere. And so that was a big, like, key priority of a lot of the work that I did in those earliest stages or those earliest days is around helping people understand what that means and that it isn't this scary big word, right? That you can be an entrepreneur in starting a coffee shop or in starting, you know, a program at a church or a school, right? Like that this it's more than just like starting this huge business, that there are those entrepreneurial tendencies in everyone. So, one of the flagship programs that we built in the earliest stages was Detroit Startup Week, which is a program that ended up being in 2016, the largest inaugural startup week in the US. And then we've, you know, continued to build and grow, build and grow it over time. And it's been noted as one of the most diverse startup weeks. And I think that's really key to what Detroit is, is that, you know, people will say we got to this point of bankruptcy, partly based off of our dependency on, you know, few industries. But when I look at the sort of evolution of the startup ecosystem and what it is to date, it's very diverse and not necessarily diverse in the way that we may think about it, which we can talk about later because I'm passionate about that as well. but diverse in the like types of startup companies. And I think that's because Detroit needed the coffee shops and the you know, local businesses. And so there was an opportunity to both educate people to build those sort of key, brick-and-mortar type stores and things like that, as well as help those individuals who've been there from the beginning. So we started coining this term of "benups," ups So people who've like survived the decades and been a startup and now are starting to identify themselves as entrepreneurs and thinking in a different way. And I think it's that sort of diversity across various industries as well as in types of companies that really is something unique about this ecosystem that has evolved from... That starting point of the bankruptcy in in the in your question. So, as you can probably tell, I'm super passionate about Detroit. So I could keep going on, uh, but I'll stop there and see if you have additional questions.
0: I would just be curious to you know. So you mentioned that Detroit Startup Week was a big turning point for the ecosystem. Was that like the original event or organization that started to, to bring the whole community together? Because you know what you see when you study ecosystems worldwide is typically. There was a specific incubate like innovation hub, an incubator, a, a, a specific location where people started to gather and the whole community started to come together. So was that what start, the startup week was or was there a spe- was there like a location uh, before that that the community started to kind of aggregate together and become a, more of a community?
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting about Detroit, especially as, as it declared bankruptcy and as I mentioned, like anything was possible, is you started to get these bigger sort of brands that would like be like, oh, what if I, you know, expanded and did an accelerator here? What if I opened a co-working space here, right? And people wanted to sort of plug and play these models that have that had worked in other ecosystems in Detroit. And I think this is um, a huge strength, but also sometimes a challenge of Detroiters here is that there is a pridefulness. Of having gone through a time of great despair and bankruptcy, right? That it's hard to, for people who've been here, to have people come in and try to just uh, apply a model that's worked elsewhere because every city probably believes this, but like, you know, we believe that our city is so unique and different. And so in those earlier days, you were seeing people start to try to explore, you know, doing their sort of version of a tech conference or their, you know, Trying to, I mean, South by Southwest is probably a poor example, but things like that into our ecosystem. And so I think what made Detroit Startup Week uh, unique is that it was solely community driven. So it was based off of what Detroiters said they needed. So we were very intentional about making sure that it felt like it was owned by everyone and not just our organizing group who was putting it on. And so it was totally volunteer led community-based as far as what types of programming and activities they wanted to see. It was free to everyone, which is another key element of accessibility. So while it may not have been like the turning point or the one event, I think that it was those elements that made it unique, that really sort of pushed the needle forward, that made people feel like they were contributing to this sort of development of the ecosystem as opposed to like it happening around them and they then, you know, choosing whether or not to engage, they were actually participating in the development of it, which is, I think what has made it successful to date and been able to progress as quickly as it has.
0: So I, and I know you spent some time working with uh, an accelerator program at the University of Michigan, uh, and I, i'd be curious to hear about some of the work that's being done to help connect the ann arbor ecosystem with with the detroit ecosystem because uh, i don't know that much about what's happening in ann arbor but from light amount of research it seems like there is a lot of startup uh, activity happening there so is, is there is are there efforts being done to kind of connect the two the two ecosystems because i mean they they're, they're pretty close together
1: yeah it's actually a stat I learned recently um that Detroit is geogra- geographically closer to Ann Arbor than San Francisco is to Cupertino or San Jose, which I think is kind of interesting because when you're here, it sometimes feels like it's you know light years away because even as or when Detroit went through their challenges, Ann Arbor was still you know thriving in a lot of ways, and that could be a whole nother episode in thinking about those differences. But I think what the community realized, especially within the first couple of years as Detroit was coming back from bankruptcy, is that these two cities need to interact and help each other out in order to be successful, right? Like Detroit can't be successful as a city without the involvement and interaction with Ann Arbor. And so by starting to shift that sort of focus in like we're all better together, or you know, a tide raises all a rising tide raises all ships, there started to be more intentional collaboration. So if you look at it objectively, as far as like the numbers of startups, or the number of venture capitalists, or the number of like money invested into the region, it'll look that Ann Arbor is a lot farther along than Detroit. And in some ways, you could say that it is. And part of that, I think also is is through the strong, the strength, I should say, of the University of Michigan in that region. However, you're seeing more and more connections between even with Ford's announcement of purchasing the train station in Detroit, which is the sort of iconic ruin porn image that you can see in the in the media if you kind of Google Detroit. They announced, you know, an intention of connecting the cities. It's going to take time to do that because there isn't the sort of infrastructure to connect them to date but i think you're going to see more and more effort into creating easier pathways to connect the two cities. You know, the University of Michigan announced opening up a center in Detroit within the past couple months and i think as each key anchor region start to expand their presence, you're going to see more and more interaction, which is the only way i think this region can really accelerate. And so when i was living in Ann Arbor, and built the Desai Accelerator at the University of Michigan in collaboration between the business school and the College of Engineering. A big component of my Accelerator program was to expose both the startup companies that we are investing in, as well as the student interns that we worked with as part of our program to Detroit. So we'd spend multiple days in Detroit, you know, exposing them to here are different co-working spaces, here are different investors that are here. And so I think it's just, you know, little steps like that that you can do in order to kind of foster those sort of connections and get people to be more aware of what's going on in order to collaborate.
0: And and the companies going through that accelerator, were those all student-led companies or or, or were they, you know, adults just... Coming to the accelerator at the university?
1: Yeah, they were the latter. So they were, you didn't have to have any University of Michigan affiliation in order to apply and be part of the program. However, in building it, a big sort of key value proposition to the program was, of course, the University of Michigan network. So the University of Michigan has one of the largest living alumni populations. And I know that sounds weird, but when you're looking at alumni, uh, you have to kind of count the people that are still alive. And so it's that sort of network that is able to add value back to the startups, as well as the sort of connection to the university. So as part of our program, we had student interns that were working for us as an accelerator, but ultimately they were doing projects and help for the startup companies that we had invested in. And that was a huge benefit to the startup companies. Even maybe the top benefit, I would argue to say, is just to have extra hands to do work as they're growing and building their businesses, but access to the sort of talented students through the University of Michigan. And on the flip side, it was a really compelling program to the University of Michigan for students as you're seeing more and more students becoming interested in getting involved in startups and by being able to work across, you know, six companies in a cohort, students get access to a lot of experience through that. I think it was within this past year, University of Michigan was rated as the country's number one undergraduate program for entrepreneurship. So they've been doing a lot as far as being able to provide engaging opportunities for their students. And I think it's through programs like an internship at an accelerator program that then gives exposure to Detroit that starts to open eyes for the students that are coming just to Ann Arbor for school of all the activity that's happening in the broader region.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's the best approach. And so you mentioned that Detroit has is diverse. The ecosystem is diverse on a, on a couple different dimensions, particularly with the the different sectors that are, are are kind of gaining traction i mean obviously uh, you know b- mobility is is going to be a big one, but what uh, you know go, going back to what you said before, um you know when you say that it's a super diverse ecosystem and and it makes sense because when the local government declared bankruptcy, it's much easier to spin up a food truck and you don't have to deal with a lot of the red tape that you normally would have to deal with, but can you expand a little bit more on? Um, what what exactly you mean by the, the like the diverse uh, sectors that that came out of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I pulled it up this morning just so I would have the right numbers here. But the so the number of venture back tech startups in Detroit has grown fifty four percent over the past four years. Um, so if you're looking for an outcome, right, as far as my earlier story about how the the ecosystem has evolved since 2013, I think that's a pretty compelling fact. And when you look at those startups and the sort of industries that they're in, it is very diverse. So from fintech to mobility to a lot of companies in the sort of consumer product space, even food. So Bonza Pasta is a big company that was based here, which makes sense, right? From the sort of manufacturing space facilities, as well as cybersecurity. So a couple of their key um accomplishments or I should say milestones in the Detroit ecosystem have happened in the past twelve months. So in 2017 we had our first unicorn startup in over a decade. So Duo Security, which is based in both Ann Arbor and Detroit, which is another sort of key component I think that's cool that, you know, touches on our earlier point around the importance of the two cities collaborating had an exit to Cisco for $2.35 billion. And so Duo Security is a specialized tech security company that you know had achieved that sort of unicorn status and then was acquired in 2017. And that was a sort of key turning point, at least in my mind, of seeing that our ecosystem is maturing to a point where we're having these big exits. And then within the past... Uh, six months, we've had two more unicorn uh, level companies, one that is in the uh, electrical vehicle space, uh, Rivian, which is based in the suburbs, that had a large investment led by Amazon. And then another company that's based um, in Metro Detroit as well, that is um, creating software in the sort of corporate finance space. Um, also achieved unicorn status. So even if you just look at those three companies, right? A you know, mobility company, cybersecurity, and, fin- and fintech. Um, it's pretty both encouraging that we've reached this point now where we have three unicorns, and I'd argue soon to be four uh, with StockX, which is a company aiming to be the uh, stock market of of things, um, that was founded here in Detroit. So in the consumer space, um, starting with sneakers, I think that that's four companies that have achieved key milestones in the city that are in totally different industries. And so to me, that's really compelling both of like the success and traction, but also in the sort of diversity of that, you know, you don't have to, you can, you can start any type of company here and be able to have the support and resources to succeed. To me, it's also a key indicator because when I think about ecosystem growth, right? Like I've, I've done a lot of different programs, whether it be accelerators or thinking about, you know, the venture capital space or events. And I think that the biggest driver of an ecosystem is going to be, talent that comes back around so the fact that you know we have a large exit and you know these unicorns in our in our world i think that's really exciting because hopefully as there are more and more exits we are empowering people to start something else right or to start another sort of support and to me that's where my goal is as an ecosystem builder is to create more of these that you know creates that virtual cycle where you continue to have people that are going to reinvest in this ecosystem. And so it's very positive as far as from a directional standpoint. I don't know if you'll ask me this question. So I, I feel obligated to talk about it, though, because I think when we talk diversity, well, that's all positive, I think that, you know, Detroit and in Michigan, we still have a huge opportunity from diversity in the sense of, backgrounds and gender and race. Detroit is a city that is 82% Black, and only about 8% of the venture-backed startups in Detroit are founded by someone uh, or an individual of a racial minority. And I think that that's a huge opportunity that we have. I think that those stats are unfortunately similar to the rest of the US. However, I think what's unique here in Detroit is that we have the opportunity to be proactive in addressing that because we are still developing our ecosystem. As much as I just said, we have all these successes. We're still really new in in our maturity and figuring out what we need. And so I, I see a huge opportunity of us being proactive, especially given the sort of demographics of our region. And that's part of why I started Venture Catalysts, our nonprofit here in Detroit, is to be intentional about promoting diversity in startups. And so we are proud to have brought Afrotech, which is the largest black tech conference, to host their first regional event outside of Silicon Valley here in Detroit. Which is really rewarding in order to be able to bring both a national name here to Detroit, but also to be able to create an event where people can, you know, be with people who look like them, right? And who can, you know, recognize the sort of traction that we have in that space, as well as uh, our nonprofit is a supporter of Backstage Capital, Accelerator, which we just launched here last month in Detroit. And Backstage is an investment fund focused on underrepresented minorities, or as we like to say, underestimated founders. And so it's programs like that that I think that Detroit has a big opportunity in order to be intentional about promoting diversity and that sort of core sense as far as founder demographics. And I think that our diversity and our sort of startup industries is only going to help us do that. And so that's a big thing that I'm passionate about. And like I said, why I started my nonprofit here in Detroit.
0: So Kelly, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round, four questions up to 60 seconds per answer. Sound good? Cool. Sounds great. Who is a female entrepreneur in Detroit that you admire the most right now and why?
1: Oh man, so many. Okay, let me think here. All right, I—it's so hard for me to pick. You're making me like—I feel like pick my favorite child, right? Um, so I apologize for the delay here in my my thoughts. So, um, I I would probably have to say at this point it would be uh, Lisa McLaughlin. She's actually based in Ann Arbor, but I'm going to count that in Detroit as we try to bring the communities together. So she's the founder of Work It Health, which is a um a how would I say this? Telehealth company that's focused on addressing addiction in, um, you know, drugs and in substances and that sort of recovery process. She's an incredibly personal story that drove her to drive to build this company, um, and has and has been very thoughtful in the growth of this company here and the sort of reasons for building it in Detroit, which I think is really great.
0: What is your favorite business book and
1: why? Ooh, good one. Let me think. I would say my favorite business book is a book written by uh, Lyndon Rottenberg, uh, the founder of Endeavor, and it's called "Crazy Is a Compliment." and I watched her speak and was really inspired and then you know, read her book. And the sort of key takeaway, I'd say, from the book is that if, as an entrepreneur, you are not called crazy, then you're not thinking big enough. Um, and that was really inspirational to me. Um, and she has a lot of great points in thinking about the types of entrepreneurs in her book. But to me, that was inspirational in itself is that we all are sometimes called crazy. Um, and that just means we're doing something big.
0: So let's say I was in Detroit. I have to catch a flight in the morning to back to D.C. And I came to you, I said, Kelly, what's the one thing that I have to do before I leave? Whether it's like a restaurant, I need to go to a, a tourist destination, I need to go to, what, what would that be?
1: I would say you would have to uh, hang out in the sort of center of Detroit that's called Campus Martius. And I, I always bring people there because it's sort of, it, it literally is a city center. Um, and it really, I think, shows the sort of density of Detroit, um, where how many people there are out and about on a regular basis. Plus, it's a really interesting case study of some of the efforts that Dan Gilbert, a billionaire, um, who's done a lot to invest in the city of Detroit, has done around placemaking, which is, you know, making public places or making public uh, spots, places people want to hang out. So for example, in the summer, he'll build, bring in a bunch of sand and essentially create a mini beach in the center of Detroit with the tiki bar and everything and lounge chairs for you to just hang out. And I think that that's a great example of sort of trying to bring people together and make sure that Detroit is a place that you want to hang out.
0: And finally, what is your favorite thing about living in Detroit?
1: Oh, I think that, uh, like I mentioned, as I first started, kicked things off. I think it's so rare to be able to see a city physically transform, let alone to be a part of it. And I think it's so cool that literally every day there's something new happening. I used to walk people around the downtown Detroit area, and I'd I'd point out my favorite abandoned building because it, there used to be enough abandoned buildings that you could have a favorite. And I can't do that anymore, and that is like pretty cool to see that these places, uh, when I first moved back in 2013, that had nothing in them now are these thriving, cool new restaurants where people are driving and flying in from all over. Um, And so that to me is really cool to think about both the change that we've been able to create to date, but also what we are going to create in the future. It's super inspirational for me. I don't have kids, but I, I hope to someday. And it's really inspirational to me to think that my kids will one day only remember Detroit as this thriving metropolitan area. And they're not going to imagine a place in time when you know they declared bankruptcy and there weren't city lights and people didn't want to go downtown Detroit. And to me, that is inspirational for creating a thriving area for the next generation.
0: Kelly Lapierre, co-founder and partner at Venture Catalysts. Thank you so much for joining
1: us. Yes, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at Burke. that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.